Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're here today with Paul Hewitt. He's the CEO of RNC Minerals. He's here in London to visit us and talk to a few other people as well. One to one coming up. How are you? Yeah. Thanks, Matt. I'm um, great, actually. Um, I just got out of uh, Zurich. We were there in Switzerland, so happy to be here in London and visiting with you. It's a great, great city, so yeah, yeah, yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, nice, nice cold snap outside. Um, so, look, we caught up in Toronto about a month or so ago, and I got, I got the pleasure of hearing the story from you as to what you're going to be doing, and I've seen a lot of those things happen, so I wanted to speak to you and see if we can sort of understand some of the bigger picture, if we may. So I'm going to start with a question. Could take you back 90 days, 100 days when sure. you first started. Did you know what you were getting into? <laughs> actually, that's a good question. And, and the truth is, I did, actually. Um, you know, as, as my own due diligence, I had to take several approaches. And, and as you know, my role evolved in the company. Mm. I first started off as a director, so I did a certain level of due diligence. Um, after becoming a director for three months, I became the executive chairman. At that time, when I accepted the role of executive chairman, I really dove in and did a more comprehensive due diligence, which required me to go to site, interview people. I interviewed people at all levels, management, geology, engineers, miners. Mm. I came back to Toronto. I interviewed a lot of the shareholders. Actually, I had the opportunity okay. to meet with Eric. Eric and I have known each other for a long time. But Eric so Sprott you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I, I wanted to get an understanding from him as a shareholder, how he felt, and maybe get some advice on some of the opportunities that we might have been missing. Mm -hmm. uh, I interviewed the board. I, I interviewed all the analysts covering us. So before I became executive chairman, man, it was really important for me to understand what I was getting into. Um, and, and at that time, it was... Um, I had really identified that there was our biggest gap or risk actually mm. really was not having a mill. We we can't control our own destiny okay. without it. Okay. So so what did what were you hoping to discover and what did you discover before we get into the mill? Because I think it's a big topic in its own right. I mean, what did you learn from the people you spoke to about the operations, the business, and because don't forget you've segued from, you know, a nickel business, nickel and gold business, to a gold business. So what, what were your learnings from those conversations? Well, look, it was. It was very obvious, time and time again, from everyone I spoke to, that mm. RNC lacked a strategy and vision. Okay. There was a lot of confusion. Uh, you know, we talk about institutional shareholders, why won't they come in? And let's face it, institutional shareholders really have a script. They have uh, funds that might be devoted or dedicated to maybe yeah. basic metals or base metals, precious metals, yep. opportunity funds. And in our case, it was no different. Uh, the message that I continued to hear clear and clear, loud and clear, was we needed a plan and a vision. And, and that's when the board made a, a conscious decision to, to focus on our gold assets in Western Australia that we believed would bring us near to cash flow and provide the best value for our shareholders in the near term. Okay, okay. So, you, I mean, there's... Um I'm sure there are lots of lots of moving parts. You're, you're, you've been through been through this and done this before with Klondike, so, which I'm sure we'll touch upon it in a, in a moment. But you mentioned two things there, which are very topical, certainly in chat rooms and forums with retail investors, which is the mill, and Eric Sprott. Does he now understand what you saw in the mill? And can you perhaps answer that one? But can you also explain why you think the mill was such an important part of this jigsaw puzzle? Yeah, so look, um, again, I'll reserve my comments to Eric on letting Eric explain his vision. Okay. But I will say this. The mill was one of the most accretive decisions this company has made right. ever. It was so instrumental in changing the future. It, it's going to be forever viewed. When you look back in history at RNC, there are some catalysts. The Father's Day discovery was a huge catalyst, Matt. It, was, mm. it changed the trajectory of the company. Mm. It at the time, the company was selling that gold mm -hmm. asset. Today, we're a gold focus. When you look back in history, you will see from this time going forward, we will be attracting different shareholders, uh, institutional shareholders, who've longed to come into this story. And that is because of the consistent, constant delivery that we're having from that mill. Right, so tell people more about the mill, because you know, what is it that you bought? We know it costs 50 million bucks. Perhaps break that down for people. Tell us what it's capable of delivering today 
And I think a lot of people are keen to understand if this can be some sort of you know, ramp up or bolt sure. on type to increase throughput. And, and let, let me just back up for sure. that because we didn't just get a mill in this deal. And mm. that's a big misconception out there for a lot of people. You mm. know, we've been doing a lot of marketing lately. Mm. And the one message that, that is unclear to people and that we're trying to clarify is mm. we were very fortunate to get much more than a mill. For $50 million, we got a mill that is a modern mill, by the way. That mill was built 10 years ago. It was approximately $100 million to build it 10 years ago. It's an extremely good condition. It's a 1.4 million ton per year, 4,000 tons a day. This is in really pristine condition. We made some minor upgrades. We spent some capital. But we also got the Higginsville assets, which are very key to our success and for our shareholders. When I talk about how accretive this is, just as a board, here's, here's how we dissected it. We looked at the $50 million and we applied half of it, 50%, 25 million towards the mill. Mm. Let's agree the mill was $100 million to build 10 years ago. It would take us at least three years to build that, Matt, mm. and likely another 100 to, to reproduce it. So that's 25 cents on the dollar, 25 million mm. for a $100 million mill. And remember, in the background, we're now putting fundamentals behind our share price. We are really, really starting to strengthen the value of that share price. Secondly, the other 25 million, we applied it towards the 1.9 million ounces. And, and I just want to clarify, those 1.9 million ounces were all three categories, measured, indicated, and in front. Right. They were total resource. But in this case, we also got 367,000 ounces of 2P reserve. Now that's a historical resource and reserve. We're going to do an update on it. We're going to repeat the work. We have no reason to believe that this work is, is high risk or it wasn't done well, it was done by a reputable company. Mm -hmm. West Gold are good operators, good miners, they know their stuff. We haven't seen or identified any huge red flags in it. We are gonna repeat it because it's a historical resource and reserve, but take that to another step. Now as a board, when we're making the decision for this, 25 million for the mill, 25 million for the ounces, mm -hmm. just think of the cost per ounce. That's $13 an ounce Australia. You got 1.9 million ounces at $25 million. It was costing me in Nevada, 38 to $45 US. Mm -hmm. US for every ounce I discovered with a drill bit. We just acquired 1.9 million ounces. All we gotta do is increase confidence in those 1.9 million ounces. That's a game changer now. We didn't just get a mill, we got the Higginsville complex, which mm -hmm. was the mill, the, the 1.9 million ounces, which is inclusive of that blue open pit, which is a high grade over two gram open pit for mining. Mm. You know, on top of that, we got some other things that are important to us. We got a stockpile of 100,000 tons. We got some equipment warehouse of about $5 million. So there was a lot of other things that were included in that $50 right. million. Dollars. So we'll talk about the money around that later, because there's a section I want to talk about, which is around the finances. But if I, if I look at that mill, it, you, you said it, uh, throughput is about 4,000 4, tons per day, right? How do you increase that, should you want to? Is it possible, is it easy, is it costly? How long does something like that take? Just, just broadly. Okay, yeah, look, that's a fair question. Just it's broadly. remember, 100 days in this company, right? 100 days in this role. It. So um, I'm not even asking people to be patient. I'm just saying, look, look at everything we have done. But we are already in that 100 days. I've been here a little over 100 days now. We've All the things that we've done on top of that, we have been, we've initiated an engineering study to look right. at increasing throughput in the mill. Okay. But we've also looked at other stuff. Yeah. Look, there's technology has come so far in the last decade on ore sorters. It would be a shame if we didn't evaluate and explore that. If we put an ore sorter potentially at beta hunt where we can scalp off 20% of the tons, freeing up that capacity in the mill, mm. increasing the grade, thereby increasing our total ounces. Okay. This is an ounce game for us, right? We have to get the most amount of ounces through that mill and, and that's gonna be very important to us going forward. Absolutely. And Okay, I appreciate that's a forward-looking uh, statement I'm asking for, but uh, you, you can't quite do that, and that's fair enough. But maybe we'll come back on to potential and, and growth in, 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 towards the end of the interview. So you raised 18 million bucks recently. Okay, it's a lot of money. What, do you, what were the plans for that? Why did you do it? What, why did you feel you needed 18 million bucks in the company now? Yeah, so that 
financing was very important for several factors. Mm -hmm. We needed a plan and a vision going forward. Our goal is always going to be to put about 24 months in front of that mill. Putting that requires money. It requires some waste development at Beta Hunt. Mm -hmm. It requires some drilling at Higginsville. At each operation, it's a different requirement, but together, having 24 months of feed in front of that mill is going to be critical. But there were other reasons. Look, we, we recognized right out of the gate that this company lacked institutional shareholders. This gave an opportunity for us to attract different shareholders and institutional shareholders who we know are mm -hmm. going to be in here for a lot longer period. They came in at that level. Five new institutions came in that weren't shareholders, right? Five new institutions. I don't know how many times, even in my due diligence, that I had heard, look, there's no institutions in this. You've got to get some support. I hear it all the time. It's something that we made a conscious decision on to focus, and it's something that we believe we need to continue to focus on going forward. Okay, and have you been having lots of conversations with institutions? Actually, that's another good question. Look, in the last 45 days, uh, we were actually counting the meetings we've had. We've had approximately 72 meetings uh, between New York, Toronto, Zurich, London. We've been marketing all right. over, actually, and, and specifically targeting new institutional shareholders, yeah. uh, bankers, analysts. We're really hitting a big, big... Uh, network of people that we know um, that our new VP of corporate development, Oliver Turner, knows. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to get more exposure as well. Right. Okay. But so back back to the question: What are you doing with that 18 million? When you say the institutions need to see a good balance sheet, I, I suspect, and you know, room. Um, what are you going to do with that money? If you can break it down by just headlines. Yeah. For me. So look. At Beta Hunt specifically, it's going to be to finish the 2B reserve. We're putting it out this, this right. year, right? That's the company's first That's the 2B first reserve. step. So, right. And then we've got to put in waste development. You're going to see us apply right. some of the, the funds for waste development. We have to look at some of the equipment. We have some of the equipment that's outdated that has, some of the equipment has over 25,000 hours on it. Mm. Look, major component changeouts are common at 10,000 hours. Frames don't normally last 20,000 hours. We've got an aging, aging fleet. If we're going to be seen as serious operators and consistent operators mm. and be able to deliver time and time again, right. we need the right fleet. Some of that money will be used for the fleet. Uh, some of the money will be used for drilling mm. at, at, at Higginsville. That money will be properly put to use for our shareholders. Okay. Is that money spent? Are you, are, is it allocated or are you having reserves some flow? I know you're producing cash now, so, yeah. which is great. But is that 18 gone in your mind? Have you spent it already or is there... No, absolutely How do you break not. that look, down? That, that, look, if you just look at our, our best report card, Q3 results, Matt, mm. we just uh, we increased our balance sheet for the first time. We had $24.8 million on our balance sheet. Truth be told, if we'd have known we would have discovered a lot more coarse gold, we might have raised less money. That's the truth. We yeah. couldn't predict that. Timing, right? And Always. We will never get faulted for having too much money on our balance sheet. We're not going to waste that money. Mm. That, we've got to produce a budget. It's got to get approved by the board. So that money is far from gone. That money will last us a long time. Okay, okay. So you're producing cash. You're producing gold. Saw the results this morning. Came out the October numbers. You happy with those? Yeah, actually, they're... Look, how can anybody not be happy or excited about a consistent delivery? Yeah. You know, we're delivering right around 8,000 ounces a month, right out of gate here. This is a company that four months ago didn't even have a mill, right out of the gate. I I've had 11 mills report to me in the last 20 years. All of them take a startup period. They take an integration and optimization time. We've been able to consistently deliver 8,000 ounces while putting in people, buying the right things, making improvements to the mill. There's a lot that's been going on. It's not about turning on a mill, Matt, at 4,000 tons a day and it just running perfectly for yeah. us. We've made a lot of improvements on personnel, the mill, um, but to consistently deliver right at 8,000 ounces a month, right. uh, it, would be, it would be unbelievable if I wasn't very pleased right out of the gate. Right, okay, and, and I don't mean to bounce around, but there's, there's so many topics that we sure. want to discuss, and a lot of people have written in about, and you know, they're delighted that you're, you're doing all of these uh, interviews and, and uh, conferences. But um, can I talk about ASIC? 
Sure. Okay, it's it's a it's a it's a number which you know you and I know can be traded by companies in different ways. But I people see that, recognize that as a you know peer to peer analysis tool, right? So your the the ASIC when you came in was what? It was for the end of Q two. ASIC was around thirteen, a little over thirteen forty or thirteen twenty six an ounce or something. And what like are we that. looking at today? So it's been so right under again. I know I'm saying this again right out of the gate, but it's the first quarter we've ever had a yeah. mill. So, right, okay. we are starting to see some of the results of that all in sustaining yeah. costs. So, from Q, Q2 to Q3, we have saw about 11% reduction or about 146 close to $150 a ton. Right. Or an ounce, sorry. $150 yeah. per ounce. Yep. This, is, this is the first quarter we're optimizing things. We're taking a lot of efforts at reducing that ASIC still beyond there. We're... We're certainly not satisfied at this. We put out some guidance. Well, that's what I'm getting on to, right? Because you've also talked you know, previously about cost cutting, okay? And you, you, you've highlighted the areas, you've been very clear, you know, with, with personnel, operations, obviously, you know, with the, with the mill, I think you've you reduced the cost of tolling contribution there, and obviously GNA, just generally, right? So have you started that process? Where are you with it? When are you gonna be able to talk to people about those types of savings that you're making? So the, the, the best way to talk to people is actually our report card. Look at our numbers. And, and again, I'll, I'll refer back to what we did in Q3. Hmm. First quarter, first quarter of consistent production, already 146 approximately dollars per ounce. Going forward, as I said, we're not satisfied. There are some specific target areas that we're focusing on. Internally, we've got our own target how do we get to below a thousand dollars an ounce? Right, that should be something that we should be. That's targeting. your magic number, thousand bucks. We believe that you we want can get to there. get to. That's our own internal target, okay. and there's absolutely no reason why we can't get to that. It that doesn't happen by snapping your fingers, Matt. Like there's or a lot of moving parts. It'll take yeah. us several quarters, okay. but we're we've got a plan. We've what, got a vision, and we're executing. What's several quarters mean? Was that actually? Yeah, uh, let's to? let's not go to the several quarters. Let's talk about how the plan is important. What's more okay. important? No, how do we get, get there? Is more importantly, okay. the timing is we'll get there, Matt. Okay. How do we get there? And and you talked about some of them. Look, there's there's no doubt to me, GNA. Uh, there's room for improvement there. There's, look, before when we were just marketing specimens, those mm. things cost a lot of money to tour all over the world. Yeah, those things so, have been to every place in the planet. They are very expensive. You have to have added security to store yeah. them, added insurance. That they're they're not cheap to do. Yeah, those. No, I, I get there's a change of mentality here. You, you're saying right, we're cutting costs wherever we can. You've got some great people on board. Graham Sloan, great guy, worth worth talking about what he's doing there. Um, and the mentality has changed. You're also goal focused. There's a lot of positive things happening. Um, I guess I'm just trying to get a sense of how, when does the good news start trickling down? Is it a trickle or is we're gonna well, look, the make a big announcement? Look, the good news is happening already. Yeah? You, you can't, uh, look, we're already down 11% on ASIC Q4. We know, are very confident that it'll be another reduction. Mm. And it's really at focusing on those areas. We're focused on vendors. And, and let me tell you, it's, it's hard to negotiate stuff with vendors and make them partnerships if you don't have any money in the bank, by the way. Sure. In the past, this company struggles significantly to pay its vendors. Yeah. A year ago, Beta Hunt was driving other vendors bankrupt. Hmm. So, you know, when we talk about the financing, we're going into a room and saying to the guy who sells us a piece of equipment hmm. or sells us the tires and says, look, we want a 10% reduction. The hmm. first thing out of his mouth is, well, you know, last year you couldn't even afford to pay me. Why would I do anything with you guys? Why would I give you a benefit? This is why having cash on the balance sheet gives us leverage to do those things. Right. And it impacts, it helps our shareholders. So when we go into a room and we meet with those top 20 vendors, which is a very important thing. I've mm -hmm. done this four times in my career. Mm -hmm. We meet with the top 20 vendors, the guy who sells us the tires, explosives, uh, the diesel fuel. We're buying in bulk now. We're buying for Beta Hunt. We're buying for Higginsville. Mm -hmm. We're buying for the open pit of Higginsville and the, and the plant. Right. We buy in a much larger capacity. We have a strong balance sheet. We can demonstrate to you that you'll be paid on time. Yeah. And negotiate longer term partnerships. Right. We, that works. We'll get it done. That doesn't happen in one quarter. We have to set it all up. We have to have a, a, a very systematic approach and we have to have a disciplined approach and follow through with it. Okay. And, and we, I know we have, you have certainly mentioned it in the past. Um, 
and I appreciate why perhaps you can't get into details if you're in the middle of it, but royalties is a big part of this in terms of the, the cost saving structure, the, the reduction. Is, is that something that you guys are encouraged by or in terms of conversations so far or you're able to say anything about it? Yeah, so look, there, there's absolutely, it, it's not a secret to anybody. People know, people are smart. They realize that royalties um, are quite high on both of our operations. They're mm. two different groups and I won't name the groups here, mm. but I will say that um, we have been pleasantly surprised at mm. the reception we're getting with those groups. And we have been aggressively working um, with our team alongside both those groups to see those things come to fruition. Okay, can you, the, the other thing which is a sort of a little bit hazy, certainly for some people and clearer for others, is the plan, okay? Now you've got a, you've got a, lot, of, a lot of assets now. You know, you, you, you've got made a hunt where the magic started. People you know, saw these huge nuggets being toured around the world and they kind of got excited about that. You then, you've got Baloo, you've now got Hegensville. You, you've got a lot of moving parts. What's the idea here for you? How do you go about planning what you tackle first, where you spend the time, where you spend the money, the, the operations focus? What's in your mind? So once again, it's, it's about our strategy and our vision. <clears throat> first, I'll just talk about Dumont. Okay. Um, we believe okay. Dumont is is a great asset still. Um, we're not going to fire sell it. There's no urgency for us to just dump this on the market and sell it for nothing. We had a great conversation with uh, Jonah, um, did, about right. Jonah about a couple of weeks ago. She did right. a great story. She was very clear about what your goal for her was in terms of monetizing that, but it's not a fire sell. That way, I it's think people. Not. And that's an important thing, yeah. nor is it something. There's another question, and I don't think it was. I, when watching the video, I didn't get a full appreciation mm -hmm. of, of our vision on whether we're going to build it. I think there's a perception out there. And actually, I don't think I know because mm -hmm. I'm getting asked this question. I've had 72 meetings in the last 40 days. People wow. are asking me this question. Right. Are you, Mr. Hewitt, going to raise the money mm -hmm. to build that capital on Duma? Mm -hmm. Because that could be dilutive and it, or it could take on a lot of debt for this mm -hmm. junior company. And the answer is... No, that's not our, not our goal. Okay. We're not fire selling it, but we're looking for something that makes sense, that's meaningful, where we can participate in the upside. Right. So, and John pointed that out. But yep. the other thing that's worth mentioning is, at this point, we're not planning to go out and raise 280 million to cover our portion of the $1 billion um, so, so there's no so, liability so, there. So that's, that's, that's gotta right? be, that's right. Okay. That's gotta be clear in people's mind. <clears throat> so back, back, now, back, back to, to Australia. So beta hunt, real simple, we need to get out a 2P reserve. Right. Companies never had a 2P reserve, ever. Why is that important to you? Why do you think that's important to the market? It's important to anybody to develop a mine plan. Any economics we have all stem from the resource, then the reserve. Nothing you can build uh, doesn't come off of it. Everything with recovery, mining costs, anything has to come from that 2P reserve, right. which we don't have. But there's another reason, okay. because it puts us in a much better position to renegotiate our debt. We have debt. Okay. We have $35 million in debt, it's at 10%. So how does, how does that work? What do you mean? Why is it a better conversation? Once you this? have a 2P reserve and, a, and sustainable, consistent mine plan, which what we have, mm -hmm. we can now meet with debt holders and say, look, rather than you putting that entire risk on the collateral of the mill, which yep. is what was done, you can now see that we're actually generating 7,500 to 8,000 ounces per month. Okay. Consistently, we have two P reserves. We have two two P reserves. We'll have one at Higginsville. Yeah. We'll have another one at Beta Hunt. Right. So we'll have a five-year plan or some, something around that okay. so that we can demonstrate a forecast that lenders will then go, all right, look, there's a different credit rating for these guys. Because there's and some it puts us in a different bucket, there's right? Some category. Right, understood. There's a number there. Perfect. So that's Beta Hunt, two P reserve. What's the rest of the plan for the rest of the assets? So, look, we'll never get faulted for or criticized by generating anywhere from 90 to 100,000 ounces a year and then building up from that mm -hmm. and, and reducing costs at the same time. Because mm -hmm. all we're going to end up doing is we'll be, it'll actually become boring, which people might say, wow, I can't believe it. We're going to produce 100,000 ounces a year. We're going to add 30 to $40 million of cash on a balance sheet. What a great company to own. It, it's going to scare away those people who like to short our stock, I can tell you right now. Well, shall we finish off on the plan because we're going to come back to the shorting, okay? So 
Okay, so you, you're saying we, we, we've got a plan, we're putting more, we're documenting more of it so we know, we know what we're doing and the order of play. Are you clear in your mind where the money has got to be spent to generate this cash? So we, so look, the, the, the financing or the future? So, because we're going to be cash flow positive, okay. right? Okay, so, so both those things. Let's start with today. So you, you know where you're allocating the cash today. Yeah, everyone yeah. in the company does. We know that we're going to be drilling at Higginsville. We're going to be putting right. waste development at Beta Hunt. Yeah. And the intent, always the same. Yeah. Put two-year plan in front of that mill. Right. Put a two-year plan. And behind the scenes, doing some economic studies on ore sorters okay. and increasing throughput into the mill. Got it. So that's part of the big plan. We Look, our, our, our goal is take it from 100,000 to 120,000 to 150,000. Systematically grow this operation. The more ounces we get, mm. the more money we make. And there's no, look, the one thing I don't want to repeat in my career, I look at my life at Klondex, I did six years at Klondex, I did four acquisitions, three of them were stellar acquisitions, and I made one that I believe stretched me too much. I think that was something that I don't want to repeat here. We don't want to do deals for the sake of doing deals. Right. We want to make sure that any, we have a disciplined approach and we have a strategy on anything we decide to do here. Okay. You're generating cash, no M&A plan, no more dilution that you know of or aware of coming down the line. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely correct. Beautiful. Okay. Now, you mentioned shorting. A lot of talk about this because you're doing everything right. So, you know, you're producing. You're producing at the levels you said you would. You're producing cash. Balance sheet looks good. Institutional investors interested. You've been very clear with the direction of the company. Your, comp your stock is being shorted like crazy. Except what you're not say saying is that it's cut in half month after month. That's the part you're forgetting that. Well, it's, it's no, true. Let's, let's be honest about yeah. this. If you look at the short position over the last three months, you'll see that that position is continuing to decline. Because what? Mm -hmm. Because totally. the company is delivering. Mm -hmm. Because we're now getting, rec and we're getting institutional shareholders. We're getting a lot of people coming in here who believe in what we're saying. Those mm -hmm. 70 meetings I had, there was a huge response in that. There was a lot of buying from those 70 meetings I had. I know it because people are telling me I bought after I met with you. And those are all institutions. That's why you're seeing a lot of the short position reduce itself over these. It's been one quarter. Yeah. But in those three months, how much has the short position dropped? I don't know at the top of my head, but I know that yeah. one of my people has said it continues to drop month after month after month. It's not increasing, which is really important. So you, you feel you're giving shorters nowhere to go. Is that, is that I, the I sense you're getting? I think they're going to realize that, look, this is not a good stock to short because they're going to continue to do what they said they'd do. Go play somewhere else. Okay, cool. I like that. Yeah, well, you ask that question a lot because you're not the only company that gets shorted sure, out there, right? Sure. Okay, and most CEOs would say, hey, we'll just carry on doing business as usual and hope they go away. We can only do what we can do. But you, you feel that move to the institutional has helped soak up well, some of that shorting? And, and we see the results, right, Matt? That's the difference. And I wish I had them here with us. Yeah. Maybe you can look them up after it. But yeah. I know that they've dropped significantly. And that, that's a very positive momentum. Right. There's a complete different momentum and shift in this company. Right. There's been so much change in the last four months. This, this, the only thing that hasn't changed is the name in this company. We've started from shareholders. We got a lot of institutions. We look at the board. We had three new members to the board. We look at the executive team. It's changed. The focus was nickel. It's now gold. We yeah. got a mill, two yeah. mines, one mill. Yeah. That's a lot of change for a 90-day period. It, is there a name change coming? Is that where you're uh, hinting at? It, it should, it's definitely something we should be looking at. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Royal nickel doesn't fit for a gold company. Right. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> so we're going to move to a section now, which is questions from shareholders. Okay, so this is uh, questions which keep getting repeated. You, you do answer elsewhere, but people perhaps don't see those answers elsewhere. So I'd love you to just, no, once enough. and all, let's do, I know it's, they're all worth repeating because yep. there's some misconceptions and misunderstandings and a lot of people like doing their own numbers, but so let's just, and deal look, with some of those. Just to be clear, we feel there's absolutely no doubt we have an obligation to all our shareholders. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much shares you own, if you own one or 10 million, we have an obligation to respond to the best of our abilities. Absolutely. You've so got a very passionate yeah. following. You really yeah. do. Okay. Um, and you know, to your point, actually, it's worth, worth pointing out here, you know, the, the types of comments that I saw when I first 
um, noticed this company, when I first started looking at this company to today, has also changed a lot. There's, you know, there's, there's still the odd naysayer. Sure. But it used to be much more frenetic, and I think this, this kind of stability that you're bringing is quite interesting. So, well done. Um, questions, if I may. Sure. You have been selling gold in the last quarter for less than spot price. I suspect it's hedging. Can you explain wh wh what you've been doing and you know, why it's sold for less? When I just think of the fundamentals here, between Q2 and Q3, um, I believe gold has shot up for the first time in 10 years in a decade, mm. almost $300 an ounce. It, it's been a phenomenal move for all of us in the gold sectors. We were faced with a very important decision before we bought the Higginsville complex. Mm -hmm. We were faced with a decision to take on $25 million in debt plus the $10 million revolver yeah. or to add extra dilution and dilute our shareholders. Mm -hmm. We believed wholeheartedly that we could afford that debt. So mm -hmm. we took on the $25 million long term and the $10 million debt so that we could prevent additional dilution. In order for us to do that, the people we take on debt, they, they force our hand to say, you have to hedge a certain amount of gold, right. which you can protect, they have to protect their investment. Mm -hmm. But look, at that time, that was the price of gold. So the hedging, it was done in a specific period in time when gold shot up. What you have to lose, not lose sight of is yeah. why we did it. We did yeah. it so that we could acquire that piece of debt to prevent more dilution to our shareholders. Good we point. were thinking of our shareholders the entire time. Good. And look, there's 17,000 ounces. 80% of our exposure, Matt, this is an important part. 80% mm -hmm. of our exposure is still open to whatever uh, right. mar market prices are. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to deliver into those hedges. Okay. Um, and they'll work themselves out. Approximately 80% is wide open. So just say that number again. How much? How much it's hedging is 17,000 ounces total. Approximately 80% of our monthly production right. is sold at open market. Okay. Okay. So that that's a that's a carryover <laughs> from our decision to not do all equity, and and I firmly believe that was the right decision. Right. We needed to take on a certain amount of debt. We're we're looking at ways to repay that debt, restructure the debt. There's lots of things we can right. do here now. So okay, okay. It was the right decision for our shareholders. Understood. Best deal at the time. Made sense for lots of reasons, as explained. Okay. Well, well yeah. And look, look, how do you think our shareholders would have reacted if, if we had said, Dilution, look, yeah. let's just, yeah. instead of taking on the debt and putting in the hedges, which we needed, we'll do another... 25 million or 35 million in, in dilution. Look, we didn't think that was the responsible thing to do. There's a bunch of questions around the coarse gold. Nuggets, specimens, whatever you want to call them, okay? Sure. Um, people are wondering why you can't just like throw that into the mill and it gets processed and added to this month's numbers, okay? Um, so that's what's one part. So how do you process uh, the coarse gold? And the second part is how much coarse gold is sitting around at the moment waiting for something to happen to it? That's a good question. So you'll see in some of our inventory numbers, obviously the the 5,000 ounces that we discovered September 24th mm. and October 15th, yep. some of that is still out there. It's likely all going to trickle into Q4. That process is just a little um, more streamlined. It's done slightly different where these chunks that we get, and you know how malleable gold is, it's mm. a big piece like this. Mm. We have to break that down. We run that through a smaller gravity circuit. Right. And, and there, the reason is so we don't lose any gold. We take our time and we run that, we, we feed it into the mill after we run it through a gravity circuit. So we have a smaller gravity setup where we have a smaller jaw, a couple terminator crushers. Mm -hmm. We run the jaw, we run the terminator. Then we run that across the shaker table. We produce a concentrate from that. That goes straight to Dore. The underflow from that then goes into the mill. So right. it, it's an added step, but it's a step to prevent us from losing some gold. If we were to throw a chunk of gold that big into a jaw crusher or a cone, that thing would just slap around and it would be this big malleable thing. Right. And it, we, we would risk potentially losing some gold, right. which we're not prepared to do. We worked so hard to get it out of the ground. Yeah. We owe it to our shareholders to get the most out of that. And, and we're seeing high recoveries 
on that gravity gold itself, right. right? Okay. So there's a process. So Mills set up one way to handle the kind of you know three the, three the, gram per ton. The regular throughput. The bigger stuff needs a slightly different process, which eventually feeds back into the system. Okay. That's hundred. And it just takes time. Is it what you're saying. It just takes time. That's but you're right. not sitting around. These things aren't sitting in a cupboard anymore, oh, and no, they're no, certainly no, no, not no. on a world uh, tour, look, right? That's a good question. No, no. Actually, I get I actually get asked that a yeah. lot. Actually, oh, well, are you hoarding them so that you can sell them at a premium? And, yeah. And look, history has taught us that while we're getting some premiums, the thirty to forty percent premium, um, it, it, it time value of money. It's in our best interest to monetize these right. things. Look, I've said this so many times. We're not in the business of collecting rocks. Yeah. We're in the business of pouring Dore gold bars. Okay. So how many coarse rocks or you know, specimens, nuggets, are sitting around in terms of ounces at the moment? Mm. So, or have you processed them? So no, there's none. So everything is being processed. So right. Q4, you're going to see all the discoveries uh, processed. Some of, you'll see maybe a little bit of lingering on some of the old Father's Day stuff. Mm. Interesting enough, it's because that stuff was located in three areas in the world. We had to get it all brought back to Australia. There's some shipping stuff. Right. Um, it's just a timing thing. Right. The the mandate from the team in Australia is to monetize all that stuff as well. As so, quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. And look, I'm hoping we can get it done by the uh, fourth quarter of 2020. If some slips in, look, it's it's sitting. You see that inventory number. I've, I got asked a couple of times. Inventory is high. Part of the inventory is some of the course gold. Okay. So it's not a case of holding some back for a rainy day in case you don't hit your no, eight, no, no, eight, no, seven, no. eight thousand bucks a yeah, month. Yeah, no, 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 no. Get it no, in. No, 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 no. Get it no, in. No, no, look, it makes so much more sense for us to put this, when we get it, uh, get it through our entire process and, and get it into cash. Okay, got it. Smart. Okay. Um, next question around admin. Monthly reporting, quarterly reporting. You've said you're going to move to quarterly reporting. You have been monthly to date. Why the change? Yeah, so look, one thing that I recognized, um, you asked me earlier about did I, did I know what I was getting into. One of the areas I fell short on was actually the amount of retail shareholders here and the demand right. that people really needed more reporting. And, mm -hmm. and look, I wasn't familiar with that. Mm -hmm. So I made an adjustment right out of the gate. I yep. said, look guys, I underestimated this. I even called the board and I said, I underestimated this a lot. And what I need to do is report monthly. I've got to do this in the beginning. We're just getting a new mail. They're not. We've got to show them more information. So in the startup, we wanted to start showing how we can track and how consistent we can be. Now, go, we're going to have done this every month for six months, man. Mm -hmm. In the future, going forward, we're going to follow industry standards going on quarterly. But... But look, it's not all bad news here. You, you're going to have a track record and say, hey, look, we're expecting 7,500 to 8,000 right. ounces. Yep. The, the one thing that we're going to do a lot differently also is that we're going to put out annual guidance. So people will be able to see, okay. oh, look, they have a plan for the year. Here's their plan for the right. year. We haven't had that. When's that come out? That'll come out for the, in the new year, that's going to come out for the whole year. Like, same timing as normal. Um, most industries, are, most companies, sorry, are doing it around February for the year. Got it. Around. Okay. And we'll Fine. do the same. Okay. October results came out this morning. Yeah. Just, just slightly below 8,000 ounces yep. so on, on target. Yeah. Again. Great. Look, Any, it's all about consistency for me. Whenever we can develop a certain level of consistency, and back to your question, mm -hmm. look, when you see this consistency and it's 8,000 a month, mm. you know, I, I, I was joking, it's it's boring. But try to repeat 8,000 ounces a month from two months. Like it, it's not easy to do, Matt. So so the fact that we're saying, look, this is what you can expect from us, and people can go, wow, they, they're actually doing that time and time again. That's important. That's really important to institutions. It's important to shareholders so that they can put it in their models and go, Look, I can. I know with high mm. level of confidence they're going to get this. Okay, nothing boring about cash, Paul. Nothing, nothing boring, boring about, about cash. cash. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amen for that. You're Amen. absolutely right. Amen. So, j just on um, that, is there anything that you? We're halfway through November. Is there anything that you're seeing that leads you to believe that you won't hit November and December numbers? Anything in the works? Any no, maintenance? Actually, in fact, anything going on? No. Look. Um, Nothing that's not planned. Maintenance in the mill is planned now. Uh, when we inherited the mill, we know that this mill didn't get a, enough love. We know that. And, mm -hmm. and 
it is what it is, but going forward, we're going to put the right amount of maintenance days into that plant to make sure that it has the right down days mm -hmm. so that we can make sure our mill lasts longer. Okay. It's like a car. People say, do you need to do the oil change? Well, it depends. Do you want your car to last or not? Our yep. mill is a $100 million mill. We want it to last, man. And, and we're going to make sure we do the right preventative maintenance to make sure that thing is still around in 20 years mm. um, when we need it. Okay, can you, thanks for that. Can you talk to us, a little bit technical now, because there's some guys out there who just love the technical, okay? Uh, I don't so much, but I'm going to ask you these questions anyway. So, Zone A, yeah. so beta, beta hunt, Zone A, what's happening there now? What can you tell us? Uh, and people are very interested in what's happening at levels 14, 15, 16, 17 as well. What, what, what can you share? Yeah, so look, well obviously we're putting in the infrastructure right now to get below uh, 16 level. We're putting in the ramp to put in to 17 level, which is going to be a new zone. In the meantime, 14 and 15 where you're talking about, mm -hmm. what we're doing is we're setting up for stoping. In fact, right. one of the greatest examples of setting up for, for the drills is the, the 3,200 ounces discovered on October 15th. This is not a narrow vein deposit. This thing is much wider in width. So we yeah. take out the entire sheer. And that's a huge benefit. That wasn't always being done. It was trying to selectively target these high grade zones, which can be very difficult to mm -hmm. find. By us opening up our drifts to the width of the shear and okay. then stepping underneath and drilling our uppers to the width of the shear, we have no risk of leaving any core school behind. That's really, really important to us. And, and what's happening in those areas is that we're slashing the areas open. Yeah. We're driving the ramp down to the lower level, starting to drift up there, and we're setting up for stoping now. So uh, a Graham is scheduled to start. Uh, he's already stoping some of them now. So each level is in a different part of the process. The bottom level is putting in the crosscut and then is going to sell out on the, on the shear. The upper levels are slashing out, getting ready for the drill to drill the upper so that we can start stoping. That's but it, again, to prevent any loss of high-grade specimen, those specimens are found within that shear. You can you can try to tunnel and try to mine that narrow. Nevada is the best example. I mm -hmm. mined in Nevada one meter wide. I was mining. We were mining with uh, so so narrow in Nevada. We were surgically removing the rock in Nevada. In this case here, we're mining some some stopes are three meters, five meters. Some are even wider than that. You want right. to take it all to prevent any of that coarse gold from being in the wall. Like right. when we slashed, we took a meter off the wall, three feet off the wall, 3,200 ounces. There wasn't supposed to be but 20 ounces in the model. Right, so. yeah, no, I, I saw that, I saw that. And so has Graham come along and sort of changed, and, and yourself, because you're, you know, you're a technical guy too, have you come along and sort of changed the, the process of how you go about chasing these, these shares, or it, so was it business as usual? certainly definitely made some significant changes in right. efficiency, productivity rates, and that's, Right. That's a lot from personnel. Above ground and below ground. All over, yes. Right, okay. And, and then opening up these areas instead of fanning the drilling, that's a new step here. Right. That, that prevent, instead of fanning our uppers, like if our drift's this wide and we're fanning uppers, we're actually slashing the drift so that we can drill our uppers straight up right. and, and take the entire shear. That's a new step that we're taking that, okay. that'll help us. It's, it, it preserves the foot wall, first of all, right. because if you're drilling a, a hole like this and fanning it, it creates a wedge, and yeah. there's some geotechnical and some stability issues with that. We okay. want to prevent that. We want to get underneath it, drill uppers, and these stopes are left open. That, that's why you can mine 2.5 to 3 gram and make money in Australia. I, I, when I first heard about this mine in, in Canada, I'm like, yeah. are you serious? How do you make money at 3 gram? We can't do it in, in Nevada. We can't do it in Canada. Yeah. How do you do it in Australia? First, you get the FX. It's $2,200 an ounce. Yep. You get trucking costs. We can only haul 38 tons in Nevada. In Australia, I could do yep. 120 tons. I don't have backfill costs in, in Australia. I have all those in North America. Mm. There's a series of a lot of things that we do technically different mm. that allow us to mine at that lower grade and make money economically. It's and look, this is something I want on record. We make money mining the average grade of that deposit. That's a real important message. I got, I got that, but the magic here 
and what people bought into the and they say they love talking about the hydrate yep. they love so the prospects hey, so do we right well let's forget let's face it so do we we'd but, love to have all of it but as i'm asking about this and i think why people are asking we about gotta understand it better and you look, gotta understand it better. We, and, I get that. and we are learning right look we're learning the geology um, and, and uh, the best thing I can use is my own experiences. This is not the first time I've encountered high grade like this yeah. in my life. Yeah. I've encountered it in Timmins, Ontario, in Red Lake, Ontario, in Nevada. Yeah. Um, and the best way to predict these is to provide a factor based on reconciliation. Okay. If you want to do something and, and use the information you have, mm. we need to get to a point, technically, where we've looked backwards and said, in this area, let's say we mine out a block this side. Let's just use that. Yep. In our resource, there's 100,000 ounces in it. Yep. But we consistently mine 180,000 ounces in it. Yep. That information comes along with us as we continue to mine. We can apply factors going forward. Not in the resource, because the QP can't sign off on it. There's cappings involved. But well, so what, what, what do you mean cappings? What does that mean? So in a, in a 43101 document, the yep. QP's got to sign off on it. Yep. And, we have to provide capping. So on that, that A zone area that you talk about, any area that's greater than 60 gram is capped. Right. We have drill holes that are 1,400 gram. We cap them at 60 gram. We have to. So our right. resource, when you look at our resource and we put out a great resource at Beta Hunt, we're putting out a 2P reserve. You have to understand that that is capped. All those drill holes, all those sill drill, those interceptions, that right. that, they're capped at 60 gram. They have to be. We have an obligation to cap them. Right. But now, predictability is what's going to be key for us. Right. How do we get better at this? How do we understand this better? And we can do anything with our own internal plans. Right. Internally, we can have something separate from the resource model that's our internal mine plan. Right. And we can put guidance out on that. I've done it my whole life. This is what I'm saying, but I can't okay. do it in 90 days, and nobody in the world can do it in 90 days. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Just take the disciplined approach. So more of the same for the, this quarter. Yep. Understand what you've got, and then you'll be able to start telling people a, a little bit about that. We're going to be able picture. to understand it better, and we're going to be able to communicate that. Just like I did at Fire Creek, okay. just like I did in... Timmins, Ontario, right. like I did in Red Lake, the same, same process. Okay, well, we hope you keep delivering the magic of a few course. Yeah, so do we. Uh, Look, gold there's nothing better than than adding that injection of that course gold or yeah. or some of the nickel, man. You know? Well, let's talk about that. Someone, someone mentioned to me, and I think it was from an old interview, um, that there's a whole bunch of core sitting in a shed somewhere, which when people were chasing down the nickel. Now, so it's going to have nickel in there, but it's also going yeah. to have gold in there potential. Yeah. What are you doing with that data? So look, one of the important steps that we're doing, um, you know, you asked me about the future, mm. uh, where we're spending some of the money. I said, put out a 2P reserve, put out mm. a mine plan. Yeah. Some of those steps to get to that are actually re-logging and re-assaying okay. all that old core. Okay. All that information is very valuable to us. Sure. It takes some time to do it. Look, I did these exact steps at Fire Creek. It took me nine months to do it. I'd hired 13 geologists, but here's the advantage. We're accelerating this. And in 2020, we're going to start seeing, even in our mine plan, where we're, we're going to be mining some of these nickel areas to reduce our ASIC cost. It'll be a byproduct yeah. towards our ASIC cost. I heard there was 675,000 meters of nickel core was the number that yeah. may or may not be correct. It was just a number that was thrown at me. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge that number. I'm not sure where you got it, but I would say I know there's a, it's a big number. Yeah, um, and that's going to take some time to do it, but it's so worthwhile doing. Mm. <laughs> Just think it's, of our our whole industry. Mm. Graham was a guy; he was the CEO of Fosterville. He built it from 2002 yeah, to 2007. Yeah. Look what it's done. Look yeah. what people have done. They've taken a different approach, right? He was there yeah. for um, perseverance. Who was it next? Was it Crocodile? Then it was Newcrest. So the fourth company comes in and it, it, it's a huge success. Mm. How do they do it? They use a different approach. They relog everything. We're doing a very systematic approach at our operation where we believe we're going to be able to unlock value as well. It's, it takes that different thinking yeah. and not ignoring the old historical information. We have a whole data room yeah. full of historic information that we have to now start going. We need to understand this. So now you got the money to do that. you got the people to do that. It's it's one of your priorities. Okay, it's, it's, it's and it's our approach. It's it's a very disciplined approach. Next question. Um, You're killing me here. I know, but they they, they want to know. The <laughs> fact, yeah, people want to know. Okay, um, 
Do you, is there a need for additional stockpile material at, uh, at Higginsville? Mm, uh, so I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, so I, I guess it's saying, have you got enough uh, to feed the mill at the moment? Are you yeah, going no, to have okay. enough mill? Yeah, so look. For the mill going forward. Right now we're feeding the mill. You know, if you average it out, it's 3,500 tons a day, but that's really based on 30 days a, a month, mm -hmm. which we don't operate, right? Yep. So um, there's absolutely no need to mine additional stockpile because remember about... 20 minutes ago, I said to you, we got not only the mill at Higginsville, but we got 1.9 yep. million ounces, and then we got yep. 100,000 ton stockpile. Yep. We have 100,000 ton stockpile, so we, we are actually feeding the mill from three sources. Beta Hunt Underground, Higginsville, Baloo today, and we have this 100,000 ton stockpile that we can trickle in mm. at any given time. And one of the biggest advantages we have technically is mm. that we can co-mingle this. We can blend yeah. all of it. The metallurgy is so good that we can blend all these ores Which you're together, doing at the moment. Which we do today. Brilliant, okay. No so, batching, no okay. batching. I think that answers that question. Next question, which is kind of linked to this in, in a way, in the sense that you, know, you talked earlier about the how cost effect of trucking is there. It was truck and train, I think it's called, right? Um, that means that your sort of catchment area for the mill is Quite, quite far, I imagine. You know, because I'm thinking of other gold miners. If you ever ran out of ore, there's an option there for you. You must be very popular, I imagine, with some mines, even at prices today. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Look, we're the only mill in, uh, from my knowledge, like a hundred square kilometer here. This is this really opens up the door. We we get calls at least once a week on people wanting to use our plant, our facility, to toll treat. Right. right. Toll treating is. Look, it's a lucrative business. Like sure. I've seen some companies make tremendous money in Nevada over this. Yeah. Well, if you, if you have the mill, you can control a that's lot, right. You right? control your own destiny. But in our case, look, mm. our plan is not to go out and find a feed to toll mill other people's or You have to clean out your mill, and, and I, it is a lucrative business. Our best answer for our shareholders is to increase the throughput of the mill, put in ore sorters, but then use it out of the all the ounces we have. We, yeah. you know, the resources that at Beta Hunter, 1.1 million. The total resources measured, indicated, inferred at, at uh, Higginsville are, are 1.9. You got 3 million ounces that we got to pull from here. So it's in our best interest to use do that your, do your own and stuff. increase, right? So what's the, what's the payback then for the mill? If you're allocating oh, 20, the 25 million number there, let, let, what's that look like? Yeah, let's, let's use easy math here, all right? Okay. Just basic math, not even recoveries, one unit. Yep. We were paying $45 a ton. Yep. We're now paying $29 mm -hmm. a ton delta. We, we do 1.4 million tons a year, yep. all right? 1.4 million times $16 a ton, it's about a 1.1 year payback. This mill gets itself paid off so quickly, it's unbelievable, it's, it's so creative. That's using 50% of it. Yep. But you can't ignore the 1.9 million ounces. You but have even, to say there's- But even if it's, two, even if it's 2.2 years, it, it's, that's great. It is unbelievably creative for our deal. It right. takes so much risk off the table. Look what has happened to other companies when gold brought them. Why not give the best example you can yeah. with our own Higginsville plant? Yeah. We were treating someone else's ore. That mill before we took it over was treating another company's ore. As right. soon as we took it over, we had to cancel that toll treating. There, that, that has now since shut down. The whole operation is shut down. Mm. We were at the same risk. Yeah. Think about that. Everyone, else, everyone yeah. else, when gold shot yeah. up $300 an ounce and we're picking up the phone, we say, we need your mill. They're like, well, you know what? I got more feed now. Oh, I got other alternatives, Mr. Hewitt. Yeah. Um, no, I get that. We are put in a very awkward position for our shareholders. No, I get that. I get that. Okay, here's the next one. Still on the mill. Next question. And we talked about Did it I a you're little bit. Already? Did I tell you that already? Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But but we're gonna we're gonna march on. We're marching on okay. here. We're nearly finished. But the, I think these are good questions. They keep coming up, which right. I want you to deal with them. Okay. So the mill capacity, four thousand tons a day. Sure. Okay, I'm not going to ask you specifics. I'm going to ask you broadly in this industry from your experience, the last 20 odd years, you built a, you know, you yeah. run a few mills. Sure. To upgrade a mill like yours, what's to say 50% or even 100%, what sort of numbers would we be talking yeah, about? Yeah, so I'll go out on a limb and give a gut here, all right? Okay, I, I get Please not specific. Yeah, look, it would not surprise me at all that we could increase capacity at the front. 
It's really a, the bottlenecks at the front end of our mill. Okay. It's not necessarily at the back. Meaning so where everything comes in. Crush, crushing. So right, okay. fine ore bins, crushing, um, and, and get that front end sorted out and increase that. It, it actually, again, uh, it makes a lot of sense to look at ore sorters. Ore sorters you can pick up for two and a half million dollars. Yep. And that has the same impact. So there, there's one option. So an ore sorter can create the same amount of value right. and payback much quicker. Um, and tell than, people what it's doing. What, what, so an ore sorter, sorter you, you put an ore sorter at, at the location, at Beta Hunt. Yep. You run all your feed, all of it, through that ore sorter. Yep. It, it, removes, it can remove up to 20, 30% of the tons that are uneconomic. Right. And then here's what happens. Yep. You're shipping 80% less rock, $7 a ton. You're processing less rock, $29 right. a ton. I freed up that extra space so, to put in higher grade material. Got it. So those ore sorters are two and a half million dollars and get ore sorters. The front end of the mill to make some changes, you know, three to five million. Graham might curse me on this because I don't have the details of it. Right. But look, I've done it's this experience. a couple times in yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, it's nothing, you're not going to say, oh my God, it's, it's not another $5 million to freaking do this. No, that's not, no way. That's where I was it, getting there's at. There's no way, man. Okay, because no again, pe people have no, these. No, no, no. And it comes from operations. There's no need to go to a financing for something like so that. You ha you've, you've set aside or allocated in your mind an amount of money which may allow you to do this, or you're generating enough cash yourself to allow you to do this quite low cap The first step is the engineering, right? Is which, Got it. Look, and so look, there's some time. We've got to be applauded for already starting it. Yeah. We've just started this. We're, we've done so much, Graham, myself, the rest of the team, the yep. whole team. Look, this is an amazing team. We've mm. got a team that are very dedicated, devoted to their shareholders. Um, we are really, really working hard to try to make sure we maximize the value out of that plan. So okay. I, I can't tell you how impressed and how happy I am. It, in 90 days, we've been able to accomplish what took me two years in Clonics. And I've we built Klondex in a down market here. So this, we've got the wind behind our sails with okay. both gold pricing and nickel pricing. Penultimate one, nickel. You're giving nickel, nickel in Australia any credit to, you know, in terms of the valuation of the company, will you be able to monetize that in any way going forward or is nickel just a past consideration? Yeah, no, no. So we, look, the nickel in Western Australia is certainly it's a very low-hanging fruit for us. I know that we, we continually talk about the specimens in the coarse gold. Don't underestimate the value that this nickel could play in our future. Mm. We're early stages here. You know, we're, okay. we're, we've, we've made so much progress in so little time. We got to get a bit of credit for that, but we're not forgetting or we haven't forgotten the value that nickel as a byproduct can do for us and our shareholders reducing our ASIC. So it is, Certainly, without doubt, we have the infrastructure in place. Right, the infrastructure is sitting there. We've got the ramp, everything. We have great contracts with BHP who are desperate to get this nickel. Uh, it doesn't impact our gold circuit. We right. can bring, you know, our mines dewatered. All our fixed costs are covered. We might bring in five to ten people, mine areas of nickel, generate. Anytime we get one lot of three thousand tons, uh, we can ship that directly to a smelter. That's a great way to reduce our all-in sustaining costs and certainly it's something we're not going to be avoiding in the near future. Okay, great. That's interesting because, again, it hasn't, hasn't, hasn't been talked about much, um, but nickel, EV, that whole thematic yeah, is so popular. Yeah. And it's high grade. Look, and when you're talking north of 25 3% nickel, right. people want this nickel. It's very high grade nickel. Okay, last question. I've left this one till last because I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, so according to several people, there's $25 million on the balance sheet, which is being attributed to coarse gold, which is being held back. I think I know your answer. Yeah. What no. is your so answer? So we're not holding back anything, but there are, look, there are some ounces in stockpiles. There sure. are some ounces on run amok. There are some ounces in inventory in the mill. All those have to be taken into account. There right. are some in coarse gold. They're not being held back. 25 million bucks. No, that's not true. Uh, it's not true. Thank you. It's No, no, look. But there's several categories, right? That stockpile that we have, 100,000 tons, we have always, we're always going to have a stockpile yeah. at the end of the month. Yeah. We have to account for that because yeah. you're paying the mining costs. You can't just exclude it. You're like, and then the inventory in the plant, the plant's always going to have a certain amount of gold inside the sure. plant. And now all that accounts for the inventory number. Some of the coarse gold, actually, there are some carryover from some of the 
Father's Day course gold that we're, again, uh, we're trying to monetize. We are certainly not hoarding it or trying, we're not trying to play the market and try to get a favorable gold price or something like right. that. Right, so you said you're not holding anything back, you're processing it as quickly as your current system will allow you to, so it's nothing deliberate being held back, it's just, of course, the process will at different points have course gold in it That's as right. it's processed. That's right. Okay, Paul. Okay, Matt. You're free now. Yeah, Thank you very yeah. much for answering all these questions. I answered 12 more questions than you told me I would have to answer. Quite, quite right. We've got to surprise you. <laughs> While you're here in London, take advantage of you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.